Okay, before we start, did you already start? Oh yeah, I started like an hour ago. You always do that. I, I'm checking the levels. <laughs> Code four. <laughs> trying to embarrass you. Man, I was trying to work stuff out. I didn't know what I was going to say yet. <laughs> Maybe you should do your preparation ahead of time. <laughs> I have it all numbered in this very lovely, confusing web of numbers and markers. I even like drew heavy lines to show like, no, this goes over here. Yeah. The, that... That doesn't help in an audio medium. I guess we could take a picture of that and post it. <laughs> I'm totally organized, is what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is I'm totally on top of this. Totally organized. Um, um, okay. do, you, do you have everything um, you need? You got iced coffee? Can iced I s- water? Can I start with a very short poem? Yeah. Do, do, do you want to do the official stuff first or... Or do you want to start with the poem? Start with the poem. All right, let's start with the poem. Then we'll do the official stuff. Today. Oh, kangaroos, sequins, chocolate sodas. You really are beautiful. Pearls, harmonicas, jujubes, aspirins, all the stuff they've always talked about still makes a poem a surprise. These things are with us every day, even on beachheads and beers. They do have meaning. They're strong as rocks. Excellent. That's a that's a good beginning. Yeah. I think we could actually end right here. That's probably good enough. <laughs> this has been the, the Bowie Book Club. I've been Greg. <laughs> this is the Bowie Book Club. I'm Christiane. And I am I'm still Greg, <laughs> despite my best efforts. <laughs> and uh, we've had a book club for just over a decade. Yeah, yeah, just about. And we've read a lot of books. Mostly we just got drunk and gossiped. But at the sad passing of David Bowie last year, we decided to get our act together and read through his list of 100 most influential books in no particular order. In fact, in a completely nonsensical order. And along the way, make wild speculation about what the books meant to Bowie. And get mostly everything wrong. I like that we've gotten to read such random books. Yeah. I mean, this book, I so I've heard of Frank O'Hara a lot. Oh, and uh, the book that we're reading is the selected poems of Frank O'Hara. Not the not collected. The collected. <laughs> not the collected. Don't make that error. Because if you go down that rabbit hole, you're not coming back up. Um, partly, I think, because the selected was, the selected poems of Frank O'Hara was kind of a memorial to him. Yeah, it was like the first posthumous yeah. edition. The collected is a more recent yep. thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've read Frank O'Hara poems here and there. I've seen him all over the place, but I had never read this collection. Yeah, he was always the, I don't know why, the one poem that I remember is the one where he, where he says, I threw some tangerines in my overnight bag. And that's the only thing I remember about him. So every time someone brings up Frank O'Hara or, or when we were going to read this book, I'm like, oh yeah, the tangerine guy. You salivate for tangerines. Yeah, like, I really want a tangerine Pavlovian. right now. <laughs> I got to get an overnight bag. <laughs> Why do I have this impulse? Yeah. <laughs> so suggestible. But you read this selected poem. Yeah, poem. yeah. Because I, 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 like everything else, I'd read about it in like the New Yorker or something when I was in high school and pretentious. And you were overachiever. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to get this out of the library. And then I realized it had a naked man on the cover. 
So I put like a, a brown paper bag cover <laughs> over it so I wouldn't get in trouble at the Catholic school. And the the naked man on the cover is, in fact, O'Hara himself. As as uh, as drawn by Larry Rivers? Is yeah, that right? His, it was his lover for a number of years, so, a visual artist. So Frank O'Hara got around. I mean... <laughs> In, in, you know, in, in a number of different ways. He's an incredibly extroverted person, incredibly sociable, knew everybody, knew everything. He was like at the center of this sort of group of artists and, and writers in the early 60s in New York. And he just seemed to be kind of like this hub of sociability. And he made out with everyone. That's what, that's what it seems like. At least. <laughs> How do you get that impression? <laughs> Because it says on his Wikipedia page, <laughs> uh, and I quote, he made out with, like, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wikipedia. <laughs> Knows everything. Um, yeah, so born in 1926, died in 1966. Tra- under tragic circumstances. Yeah, hit by a car. Yeah. Or a truck, yep. I guess. Ugh. And it was like their their car. He was driving with friends, and their car broke down, and it was like dark. And they're walking to a gas station or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah crazy. It's really sad. Yeah. Um, but he's part of the group called was it the New York School of Poets? Was that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, which I don't know much about other than some <laughs> i read this kind of scathing comment in uh in a piece that uh we'll reference later but there's there's a piece by felix bernstein um about post-internet poetry and he makes scathing comments about how people think that they're part of the new 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 york school <laughs> as though we there's nothing new under the sun we're still doing the same thing um uh, he even wrote a manifesto Frank O'Hara did? Yeah, called Personism, a Manifesto, in which he explains his position on formal structure. I don't like rhythm, assonance, all that stuff. You just go on your nerve. If someone's chasing you down the street with a knife, you just run. You don't turn around and shout, give it up, I was a track store for Mineola Prep. (laughs) That's pretty good, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's a nice... Was that the extent of his manifesto? (laughs) No, I think there's a lot more. (laughs) But it involves like uh, buying pairs of pants, apparently. Hmm. In the manifesto. In the manifesto, yeah. Like oh. how like how to choose pants? No, it's okay. If you're going to buy a pair of pants, you want them to be tight enough so everyone will want to go to bed with you. There's nothing metaphysical about it. <laughs> this guy's great. Full circle to he got around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wore tight yeah. pants. Frank O'Hara, make out king. <laughs> tight enough pants, <laughs> yeah, I guess. With, with tight enough pants. <laughs> well, that's a good point about the... Or a good um, comment about form. I actually kind of struggle reading super confessional, non-formed poems. Where, where they're not trying to fit a particular framework. Yeah. I, I go through cycles, I think. I mean, I was a big beatnik fan when I was in high school. <laughs> you had the beret, the, the finger snapping, the, the goatee. Did I have a beret? I didn't have the goatee. Um, I might have embarrassingly had a beret. Wow. Let's ignore that. <laughs> You're, you are wearing a striped shirt today. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I think maybe I just wore it out. Wore out, not the beret. Wore out oh, okay. my, <laughs> my love of, of that kind of like rambling confessional poetry. Um, and then I just gravitated towards form. Form yeah. and function. Form, 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 form. Um, and I got really into, you know, sonnets and... 
Sestinas and Rubiads. And, and, and poets trying to work within these really yeah. rigid structures and seeing what they can do with that. I, yeah. I like how he throws things together, though. I like all the references, and I like how it really, it's really as sort of shambling as it is, it's really evocative of, of a time. Like, I yeah. really feel like I'm in New York and constantly surrounded by cigarette smoke. <laughs> Which and, is not romantic. No, not romantic at all, despite <laughs> what Lottie Lenya tells us. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I do, I did like a lot of his poems. I had to grapple with getting over you that. Had, you had to kind of like, um, you had to kind of shift your mindset to be yep. like, okay, this is just going to be a mess. Yep. And as as I was going through it, I would find myself just kind of reaching a threshold of, oh, I can't read anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to get through more than a couple a day. Yeah, because they're very fast paced. They're right. Yeah, I mean, like super energy. So the collection, the selection. Sorry, not the collection. The yeah. selection. Don't don't get the collection. It was published in nineteen seventy four. What? So he said that nineteen seventy four. I was looking for the date. I couldn't find it. <laughs> Way to cover. <laughs> <laughs> Which was almost a decade after his death. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it brought together the books that he had published previously, and um, and I think he's most famous for his lunch poems. Yeah, the ones that he wrote on his lunch break when he was working at the Museum of Modern Art or the Museum Metropolitan Museum of Art. I think he was. Hold on. Oh, oh. Museum of Modern Art. Yeah. <laughs> to fill the space, you have to go to the museum <laughs> of the Metropolitan <laughs> Art. No. God damn it. At the Museum of Modern Art. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he he had worked there, I guess, as just like Selling like a postcards. Yeah, postcards yeah. or admission tickets or something. And then he ended up, I guess, leaving and coming back. And then his final role there was a curator. Not bad. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> a way to step up. <laughs> um, yeah, so he started writing poems in school, I think. But then this became the time because okay so this was something that you had the misconception that he was like new york born and bred yeah yeah because i saw the like youtube videos of him reading and i was like whoa he's got the you know he's got the accent and he's so so new york yeah like, yeah he's, it just seems this like, epitome yeah. the, he's the curator at the modern art museum and he's got all this like social well racy social scene <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, but, but in fact, he, yeah. he was born in Boston or outside of Boston, right? Massachusetts. He spent most of his youth. Oh, no, Maryland. He was born in Maryland. Oh, okay, yep. And then he spent, I guess, he went to school in Massachusetts. Um, so he didn't end up coming to New York until in his 20s. But he picked it up really quick. Yeah. So he did, he did well with the New York sort of American dream. Yeah. And and I think like he thought of his poems as being really, and, and this is something I like about it. It's just casual. They're just mm -hmm. casual things he kind of does while he's living the rest of his life. Yeah, and I and, found that the best way to read them. Yeah, casually. Right, right. And um, and I, I guess this kind of like looks ahead to 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 a point that you want to talk about is it does kind of feel like. 
they're just bits of his life. It's like following someone's Instagram feed. Like, oh, I, kn- I know what's going on with you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What was I? Oh, yeah. So our, we, were, we had talked about the poems. People write about it being like this visionary look at sexuality and loneliness and social anxiety. And I don't know. Both of us kind of felt that was a bit over much. It, it, Those it, are themes. Y- yeah. But it seems more like they were identity poems very localized in place like like it felt heavy with place like new york is so part of these poems right. and and identity and and just individuality were very much part of it um it didn't feel like big social commentary to me yeah and, and that's that's like one of the things i wrote down is like he's talking about very serious things but in a very casual unserious way yeah which makes them more accessible in a, yeah. in a way. But it was like, like he's the one man tumbler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just this like deluge of images and, and references and, and everyday life things that he kind of just keeps throwing at you. So yeah, it felt like I would scroll through two of his poems a night and be like, okay, that's enough for me. There was an article that we read. Was it dazed digital? I don't know what that's the site um and uh it was a it's <laughs> called what frank o'hara poems reveal about post-internet brains um and the author is claiming that he though he never experienced the internet and all the social media that came from it o'hara was sort of a foreshadowing of the way that we use the internet or the way that we um, uh, self-publicize in that social media sense. And how we're able to to link in all these different things. Mm -hmm. Um, She cites uh, performance artist and critic Felix Bernstein compounded this image of O'Hara as a a trailblazer of oversharing. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's the, let me tell you all about what I'm feeling today and what I had for lunch. And <laughs> yeah, so you get this, like, you can read it one way as a very shallow look at his sort of day-to-day existence kind of going around, you know, mm-hmm. in this in this very vibrant social scene and celebrating it and feeling pain from it. And it is, it is very much a social media feed. But then there's these other things going on underneath in the same way that like you read someone's Facebook feed and you only kind of know so much about them. You don't know what's happening when they're not posting or Mm -hmm. what they're feeling, really. So you you can, and and I think like the real strength of this is that you can read it either way. There's there's undercurrents there, like the bigger themes. I've been reading this book, came out last year. It's called Magic and Loss um, by... Virginia Heffernan? I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Heffernan? I'm sure she'll she'll tell you at some (laughs) point. Um, But the first chapter, she talks about... I mean, the whole thing is about the internet as art. And um, she says, you know, everyone has this kind of doom and gloom, scared tactics of reading is disappearing because of the internet. And she says, no, Twitter is basically poetry. That, you know, people have to um, think very detailed ways of fitting all that they want to say in a short piece. Um, 
and that kind of aphoristic tendency can be seen as the same way that we write poems. Uh, I I see where she's coming from. I, I, I do like a lot of her arguments. She made some comment in the book about how we don't follow poets in the way that we used to. Like if a poet released a book like Frank O'Hara, people would rush to the store to get it. Um, but now it's a little bit more like if Frank O'Hara was alive, he'd be excellent on Twitter yeah, and everyone yeah, would follow him. He'd love that, that form. That would yeah. totally work for him. So I think that would fit into her arguments. And, and yeah, and there's some great writers, especially very funny writers on Twitter mm-hmm. and some great poets on Twitter. And, and I wish I could think of her name. Oh, um, the very funny woman who, um, who's published several books of poetry. She read here recently and I, I cannot think of her name. Um, we're going to have to cut this out, I think. This is going to go nowhere. But I'll, I'll, I'll look up who she actually is and, and, put, and link to her Twitter because it's amazingly funny and very, 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 very filthy. <laughs> um, okay, how did we read this book? Though? So we were talking... So like Twitter or other social media, sort of bite-sized chunks. When I tried to start reading through the book, like you read through a book, cover to cover, I found myself just wandering and and losing yeah, patience. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to focus, yeah. Yeah, like the first couple of poems, I'd be on board. And then I'd kind of feel like, wait, where where am I? Where are we going? Yeah. And in in some ways, I'm glad that like I actually bought this book instead of getting it from the library because I can keep doing that like one or two poems at a time. Okay, well, the benefit of getting it from the library, which is what I did. Oh yeah, was that it was already marked up? Which I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, librarians, you don't like it when people mark books, but, but I love it. I totally do, and especially in this case because. So I started just kind of flipping around in the book when I realized I didn't have patience to read straight through. Yeah. And then there's an index of titles and first lines in the very back. <clears throat> and I started looking at, they're, they're tick marked by whoever had this book before me. So I started looking at the poems that had little ticks next to them. And... You're following the breadcrumb trail. I was following the trail of pre organized bibliomancy <laughs> um so i read all the poems that the person before me had marked um and just kind of got a sense of what that person had had chosen um and i also found a playing card inside the book which uh, imagine uh, ominous foreshadowing music in the background right now from the drift on in roadhouse casino which I wonder where that is. Uh, probably somewhere in Twin Peaks. <laughs> Drift on in, I-N-N. Drift on <laughs> in. Um, and it's a two of hearts. And I kept staring at it for a while. It has two black marks on the corner, and I thought it was burned, but it's in fact marked. There's, it's a marked card. There's a double dealer in our, in our midst. So, so I want to <laughs> believe that it's like a gambler. Yeah, it's got to be. But... Like a gambler who reads Frank O'Hara in the in the hotel where he's staying. Um, it was a very romantic notion. So I, I'm starting to see this movie coming together. 
<laughs> He's a, a, a literary gambler. <laughs> Who reads Frank O'Hara in, in all the and hotels. He has an amazing goes. haircut. But not only that, a library oh, book. A suit. It's a library book. Yeah. So Like he has to bring it back. He's leaving a, tra- a, a trail for the feds to follow. He didn't have to bring it back. I mean, it's overdue right now. My, I, I have it. It's overdue. What, what are you saying it out loud for? <laughs> but <laughs> there's going to be a knock on the door. Oh, there, <laughs> you're cooked. Is that an overdue book? <laughs> um, he didn't have to bring it back, but he did, and so I was able to see all the markings. So should we? Uh, should we uh, have the minor reveal? Oh no. Okay, we'll save it for later. There's a reveal coming up. <laughs> to see it, it will leave you in suspense for another two to three minutes. Um, because why did Bowie choose the book? Uh, I, I mean, th- I think the the big thing was is that I think he likes things that put him in a place that he hasn't already been in. Like City of Night talked about, you know, is very American and very much about that scene. And I think he liked that, that it was so evocative and it w- enabled him to kind of be part of that and, um, or feel, you know, f- feel like he was part of that. And this was so evocative of that era of New York mm-hmm. and, and a, a New York, a city that Bowie grew to really love, um, that it was able to put him in that, in that place. Yeah, I was reading a piece about... Bowie, uh, I can't remember. I think it was on Pushing Ahead of the Dame, that site that I use all the time. The greatest of all sites. Yeah. And he said um, New York was the town that Bowie lived in the longest. Um, so it did really become his home. And I think that that certainly to me feels like one of the draws of yeah. this book. Yep. Um, New York. Also that uh, Frank O'Hara has just this ease of with his sexuality yeah yeah his so like everything else he's so casual about yeah and it's like i'd seen people write about frank o'hara as being like this pioneer of writing about you know bisexuality and yes yes i i I think it is a pioneer but it it didn't feel like it was um a mission and an issue to talk about it was just so easy and it's just just like the kids on the internet it's nbd like "Eh, yeah no big deal you just said NVD. I'm, to- I'm totally cutting that out. <laughs> no. Okay. Like we as users of their work make pastiche of Bowie and all of his his images and his songs and and in the same way, like this article that we were reading in this dazed digital um, magazine talked about how people remove pieces of O'Hara in a way like it's he's so heavily Instagrammed like people sort of take photos of one part of a poem just just a line or two yeah it's these it's the way that I've had some talks recently about Instagram and poetry and how this it has created a new way that we look at poetry it's all very short sort of aphoristic it's not haiku because it doesn't have the the structure but it has to fit into a very small space a visual space yeah. it has to fit into a visual it has to space look a certain way visually yeah too. so you can't have like a long chunk of text or a rambling chunk of text it has to be these twitter like poems so 
we were looking at how like O'Hara on Instagram or O'Hara on social media and it is these like snippets of his poems in the way that I think we can also do with Bowie like we pull out a line of his or we pull out just a piece of a larger thing and we make it into what we want it to be and it's out it's pulled out of its context in and since Bowie's shifted context so frequently, mm-hmm. uh, he's almost more susceptible to that than someone who, who was, you know, kind of cut and dried exactly this, you know, the same or had a very defined character. Yeah. Like you can, like the whole chameleon nature of Bowie that, that has been, you know, every review of every record of his has been called out. Like that lends itself to Instagrammability. Part of, okay, the reveal. So we each, instead of just picking a song for the whole book, we each picked a poem and then connected a song to that poem that we individually picked. And part of the reason I picked the one I picked, which was, it's called Steps, was because of the card marker, because it was one of the the poems that was tick marked in the back by our card marker. And also because it was the one that was it's it's very easily instagrammed and it, and it has been yeah and o- but only the last little section of it so the last stanza is I- heavily instagrammed and and it's it kind of st- when it's seen on its own so out of context yeah 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 um should i just read this yeah one? yeah how about you read it and and say the song yep so the poem is steps and just remember the last stanza on its own you can put up on your instagram account (laughs) and and you'll get so many likes so many followers (laughs) um how funny you are today new york like ginger rogers in swing time and saint bridget's steeple leaning a little to the left Here I have just jumped out of bed full of V-days. I got tired of D-days. And blue you there still accepts me foolish and free. All I want is a room up there and you in it. And even the traffic halts so thick is a way for people to rub up against each other. And when their surgical appliances lock, they stay together for the rest of the day. What a day. I go by to check a slide and I say, that painting's not so blue. Where's Lana Turner? She's out eating in Garbo's backstage at the Met. Everyone's taking their coat off so they can show a rib cage to the rib watchers. And the park's full of dancers with their tights and shoes in little bags, who are often mistaken for worker outers at the West Side. Why? Why not? The Pittsburgh Pirates shout because they won. In a sense, we're all winning. We're alive. The apartment was vacated by a gay couple who moved to the country for fun. They moved a day too soon. Even the stabbings are helping the population explosion, though in the wrong country. And all those liars have left the UN. The Seagram buildings no longer rivaled in in interest. Not that we need liquor. We just like it. And the little box is out on the sidewalk next to the delicatessen so the old man can sit on it and drink beer and get knocked off it by his wife later in the day while the sun is still shining. Oh God, it's wonderful to get out of bed and drink too much coffee and smoke too many cigarettes and love you so much. I keep Instagramming the when the, their surgical appliances lock. <laughs> I don't get any likes. <laughs> 
or that great line, the Pittsburgh Pirates shout because they won. And in a sense, we're all winning. We're alive. I really like that. I'd yeah. Instagram that. That's, that's pretty good. And the song I picked, it was hard to pick. It's always hard to pick. It was a last minute. <laughs> I was debating between two of them. Um, and it was the Never Get Old or Modern Love. And I picked Modern Love partly just because Greg made me choose a number between 1 and 10. But also... <laughs> it, it never fails. <laughs> but also, um, I think that song can be misinterpreted in that same way or, or sort of um, segmented in pastiche in that same way where if you listen to the song, it sounds so upbeat and just cheerful and yet there's this undercurrent of like this this struggle between god and man and identity and, and like like O'Hara's poems there's a lot more going on under there yeah i mean this beautiful last little stanza of how wonderful it is to love you but also all this other struggle that's happening and all these other things going on in the world around him that mm -hmm. he can't help but notice and kind of draw in yeah and and it is like in some ways this is like the like the the uh um what's the word uh it's like the perfect frank o'hara poem like it kind of has all of his elements in it mm -hmm. uh, and in my mind modern love is one of bowie's perfect songs ah. but it's only because of the suit and the hair i think that uh in our david bowie bible by nicholas Pegg, he actually says modern love is is perfect Bowie or iconic Bowie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least like mid, you know, mid 80s Bowie. Yeah, that's another good connection. It, does, it then. is part of its time too, yeah. in some ways. Yeah, so this Frank O'Hara poem, very much the rambling things I see on my lunch break, but also this undercurrent of sensuality and love. And, of and, and sadness too, of mm -hmm. like the people showing their rib cages. And, mm -hmm. um, but like almost like optimism in the face of everything that's going on like we're all winning we're still alive yeah except for that poor couple that got killed oh yeah well you know the stabbings are helping with the population but in the wrong country ah yeah. all the contradictions <laughs> and so your choice so i thought i'd pick my own poem uh, yeah this is how how potent the effect of the card marker was yeah Turns out that the card, the two of hearts, the marked two of hearts that I found in my library, by our literary gambler with the great haircut, sitting in his hotel room smoking, mm -hmm. as you do, with his library book, with his library book, uh, waiting to pull off the next big heist, with his two of hearts. I don't get it. Anyway. He's flipping cards into a hat like Tom Waits. Ah. Um. So it was on that page of the poem that I picked. Yeah. Which, which has a lot of peas in it. It was on the page of the poem the page that of I picked. The poem that I picked. And I was like, Whoa! <laughs> suddenly I'm uh, Red Skeleton? Was it Red Skeleton who that routine? I think. The red, no, no, no. Danny Kay. Danny Kay, dang it. Sorry. I'll, I'll link God, to that. God, Craig. Too. I'm, not, I'm <laughs> not any good with the references today. <laughs> oh, that poet, uh, Patricia Lockwood. Oh, well Amazing. done. Amazing. Oh, so good. Just I'll, insert that later. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let, me, uh, let me take again. Okay, one, two. Patricia Lockwood. Totally right, Tom. Okay, well done. Great. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, the, the poem that I picked <laughs> is the Three Penny Opera. Um, it kind of jumped out at me because of like the Berlin 
connection. And before I read the poem, I was like, I wonder if Bowie covered anything from the Three Penny Opera. And it turns mm. out he did uh, a version of the Alabama song, which the the Doors. Oh, I hate the Doors. The <laughs> Doors made famous, and lots of other people have covered. Man, we referenced the Doors two months in a row. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So. Right now, Jim Morrison is spinning in his grave in Paris, and, and someone is pouring wine on him. That's why he's spinning. He's like, stop. But okay, so I'm going to make an attempt at reading this. I'm terrible at reading poems. So I'm going to cut this out and have, like, Patricia Lockwood or someone do it for me. So uh, it turns out that I did have to cut that out, um, because suddenly robots seemed to attack my laptop and turn us all into fast-talking, really staticky people from like the 3030s or something. So apologies for breaking in here, um, but I'm going to try to reconfigure what we talked about for the next couple minutes, and then um, we can go back to the program as scheduled. So as I was saying, I was about to read a poem um, called The Three Penny Opera, um, and I hope you enjoyed as much as the robots did. So here we go. The Three Penny Opera. I think a lot about the Peachums. Polly and all the rest are free and fair. Her jewels have price tags in case they want to change hands, and her pets are carnivorous, even the birds. Whenever our splendid hero Mackie Messer, what an honest man, steals or kills, there is meaning for you. Oh, Mackie's knife has a false handle so it can express its meaning as well as his. Mackie's not one to impose his will. After all, who does own anything? But Polly, are you a shadow? Is Mackie projected to me by light through film? If I'd been in Berlin in 1930, would I have seen you ambling the streets like crazy cat? Oh yes. Why, when Mackie speaks, we only know what he means occasionally. His sentence is an image of the times. You'd have seen all of us masquerading, chipper, but not so well arranged. Airing old poodles and pre-war furs and narrow shoes with rhinestone bows. Silent, heavily perfumed, black around the eyes. You wouldn't have known who was who, though. Those were intricate days. I really like that last line. That feels very Bowie to me. And I think the um, what, I, what I said after reading the poem was that the, the whole Berlin setting made me think of, of Bowie and, and his sort of fascination with that and, and his time living there. And then Christian assumed that I picked the poem just because of Crazy Cat. Well, that might have been true, too. Anyway, back to the regular program. Um, so yeah, that was a fun challenge. Yeah, that was going through a whole book the, of poems. Which did you finish it? I will say yes. I will also say yes because it is a word in my vocabulary. <laughs> I think actually, I think this the the book is going to stay on my nightstand until I finish it because I do like reading a a poem a night. Mm-hmm. And th- that's been that's been really enjoyable. I have to turn mine back into the library. Ha <laughs> ha! You have to give it back to the card sharper, mm-hmm. so he can go on his next big heist. <laughs> so what what do we got coming up next? So when we selected books um, through our very scientific method of finding numbers in a bar, um, there was a, a game. Wait, I think it was a basketball game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was Wisconsin fifty nine and Indiana fifty seven. Wonder who won that? I think we left before the game was over. There's some magic. Okay, at this point, the robots basically ate everything else we said, um, as you can tell, um, which was mostly about uh, 
uh, talking about how uh, we happened upon um, the book for next month. It was originally Octobriana, um, the weirdo communist comic book that we read uh, last year. If you remember that, it was uh, completely fake. Um, an interesting book, but not real at all. Um, so we put it to folks on Facebook to help us decide on what to actually read next month, and they unanimously chose The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin, which I am really psyched to read, um, so I'm glad they picked that. Um, and then we did our normal social media announcements, and I will say the same things, and uh, this is my 12th time recording this because I can never remember the names of our social media stuff, but I got it written down now. So... You can follow us on Twitter at Bowie Book Pod, on the Facebooks at Bowie Book Club Podcast, and now on the Instagrams at Bowie Book Club. See, I got it right. I can finally go to bed. Um, so uh, thank you for listening and thank you for putting up with this. I'm sorry it was such a mess. Um, we'll get it sorted out for next month um, when we all have a very good book to read. And uh, thank you again for listening and we'll see you next month.